1: ny or text hope ny in new york it's a thursday night on the youtube
2: home for BamaOnline.com. online.com that means thursday night tide travis Ryer, senior analyst for bol alongside clint lamb and coming up here in about 25 minutes or so we'll be joined by jimmy stein as well clint uh you checking out some games tonight i know we've got uh the lions and the packers on the on the Amazon, excuse me, I got a little I got a little bleed over here. Let me fix this. All right, there we go. A little technical difficulties, but I think we got it worked out. <laughs> you know what you don't want to do, Clint? You don't wanna have the YouTube browser for the show open at the same time that you're trying to actually do the show. Just figured that out. Quick learner right here on on live stream. But you know, you've got the Packers and the Lions. Last check, look like the Lions were threatening to boat race the, the host Packers. That would be four straight wins for the Lions over the Pack. Um, you got some college football. It, gone are the days, though, right, where you had some Power 5 matchups it seemed like you could look forward to on a Thursday night. I guess the NFL has kind of squashed some of that. Uh, all due respect to Jacksonville State, by the way, which is playing Sam Houston right now on ESPNU. But still, not that selection of college games that we used to have uh, a few years back.
3: No, it's certainly not. Uh, I think Isaiah Bugs. I think he got a sack uh, tonight. So, I mean, obviously, every time you turn on an NFL game, there's an Alabama player somewhere, you know, one side of the ball or the other, doing something spectacular. So, I guess uh, it's Isaiah Bugs night.
2: Yeah. You know, and Isaiah, a couple weeks ago, I don't think he was active, maybe for the season opener or had been released and so good to see him back doing some big things for the Detroit Lions but certainly we're going to talk a lot about Alabama and Mississippi State on a Thursday night Nick Saban had his weekly radio show just before we took to the live stream Uh, we'll get into some matchups for this game on Saturday night over in Starkville interesting on a number of levels because we heard Saban tonight on the radio show and by the way Charlie Potter kept us up to speed with those uh, nuggets coming from the radio show there at BamaOnline.com. Saban really feels like, or at least this is his public stance, that this game is a bigger challenge for Alabama than the one it just cleared with Ole Miss. And he continues to cite the physical physical nature of Mississippi State, more so probably on the defensive side of the ball. And then Clanny also, I know, is – aware of taking this deal on the road uh, with Jalen Milrow. And specifically, it seems as if just reading the tea leaves a little bit, most of his comments are in relation to the Mississippi State defense and the potential problems it could cause this Alabama offense.
3: Yeah, and, you know, with Jalen Milrow, you got A&M last year, you got MTSU, you got Texas, and, of course, uh, you had last week against Ole Miss a lot of home games obviously he came in for Bryce Young last year against Arkansas on the road but haven't really seen him be a starter on the on the road yet I'll be curious to see how he ends up looking on that front
2: absolutely that's going to be a a storyline for sure going into this game and uh it has been all week um you know I think it starts with continuing to play to the strengths, not just of the offense. I know we've talked about that a lot in relation to this offense. Play to the strengths of Jalen Milrow. Play to the strengths of the offensive line and even the skill personnel with these running backs. But I think as much as anything, protect that defense at all costs, right? Because even if the Alabama offense isn't dynamic and doesn't light up the scoreboard like South Carolina and LSU did before it in wins over Mississippi State, First and foremost, road Ws are still precious. I don't care who you are. Uh, I don't care if you're Nick Saban. I don't care if you're uh, Billy Napier. You know, there's a lot to be said about road wins, especially within the league. Uh, And right now, what we do know about this team is that it has a championship caliber defense and it also has championship caliber special teams. So if you can keep the offense from endangering the defense and or the kicking game. This is a game Alabama should win.
3: And not just win. They should win pretty handedly. I mean, it's like, it, and the good part about having that elite defense, or we we think that it's elite is playing like an elite defense right now. The fact that you've got the special teams, uh, there's, you know, certain elements that you need your quarterback, you know, you need to surround your quarterback with a good, you know, offensive line with good protection a reliable run game that can complement the passing attack, Uh, you know, a defense that can be opportunistic, you know, take advantage of some things, put the offense in good positions, maybe with some turnovers, keep the score low to where there's not a ton of pressure on the quarterback to go out there and make a lot of plays. Um, And, you know, I think Alabama did a really good job of that last week. You know, even though things were kind of dysfunctional for the offense in the first half, the defense kept things, you know, in check didn't I mean I remember at one point saying, I think I even tweeted it, uh, you know, Alabama can't go down fourteen to three here. I think it was after Ole Miss had scored and Alabama had, you know, I think gone three and out or something, but Ole Miss had gotten the ball and I was like, this is a huge drive because if they go down and score again, this offense isn't built to play from behind and it's double digits. So, you know, as long as they can continue to do that. Uh, you know, if, if we don't know about the run game, we don't know about the offensive line. Obviously they took a lot of positive steps last week, but it, to me, it's still an unknown because it's only one half of football, but if they can continue to do those things, I think that that really bodes well for taking care of your quarterback and putting him in, in the best position to be successful.
2: Yeah. We'll talk about maybe our thoughts on what constitutes success for Jalen Milro on Saturday night. In retrospect, when this game is over Saturday night. What will be the barometers that you have or we have when it comes to successful versus unsuccessful for Jalen Milrow in his first road start? We also, of course, want your feedback, your questions, your comments here on Thursday Night Tide. And we'll get those going with John Hash checking in here. And we got a few. Josh Batchelor, we're going to get to you in just a little bit. Text Tider, my guy, my Wilt Chamberlain guy on the roundtable there at BamaOnline.com. Text howdy to you. We're going to get to you in just a little bit. You are looking for a shutout this week. John Hash asks, what do you guys think will happen at left tackle this week? Supposedly a 50-50 battle right now with Caden Proctor and Elijah Pritchett. We saw both those guys. It was mostly Proctor last week. Um, Nick was sort of ho-hum about the performance of the, the two left tackles and the win over Ole Miss. I thought the pass protection in general was better. Um, so what do you think, uh, is is this thing on the verge of maybe Elijah Pritchett surging ahead? I think you have to be careful in some ways with Caden Proctor. You put him in this situation as a true freshman, you put him out there. And obviously with that, and you're thinking big picture with Caden Proctor, you're thinking he's going to be one of your guys at tackle, whether it's left or right in the next couple of years. So, uh, uh, they're, they're, it, it, not that he's fragile psychologically, but that that plays into it too, when you're dealing with a guy's confidence, I would think,
3: yeah, and that great points. i mean, and, and you see this with young guys all the time at every position, but you know, especially some of these marquee positions like left tackle is so important to the success of an offense the blonde side protector, you know mostly it's going to be your left tackle. but Uh, I guess there are some instances, you know, to a tongue of a low where it's your right tackle, but the blind side protector is so critical to the success of your offense. And, you know, LSU last year with Will Campbell, that was a true freshman, five-star player. He didn't struggle as much early as Caden Proctor has. Uh, So there are some differences, but, you know, it it was interesting to watch him kind of struggle a little bit early. And then by the end of the season, he just continued to get better week over week. And I think that LSU was a better team for it at the end of the year. Uh, you know, Alabama is elected to kind of not throw a J.C. Latham out there too soon. You know, play him, you know, inside to start his career. Evan Neal, start him off inside. He was a starter from pretty much day one, but, you know, started off inside. Um, but you've had some veteran players who have began the season as the starter, and some of them have finished. Where you've elected to go with more of the veteran presence that maybe, you know, after five or six years when a guy's in your program, he is who he is, you know, expecting some kind of major jump as far as his talent or production or ability or whatever. uh, It's kind of difficult, but a young player where they start is not where where they're going to finish. And Caden Proctor is an excellent example of that. I thought he got better last week. Uh, I thought Alabama simplified some things in the second half as far as what they were calling as far as the run schemes and and what it was requiring of the offensive line, and I thought he handled that well. I thought the entire group handled it well, Um, you know, and and I'll be curious to see how he continues to improve because, you know, when you have a guy like that, I guarantee you Mississippi State's dialing some things up or, you know, drawing some things up to try to make his life difficult on Saturday, and he's got to be able to hold up. Alabama will probably do some things to protect him, but there are going to be instances where he's got he's to get the job done.
2: I know we've talked about expanding the quarterback run game as a potential helpful item for this offense, and I agree with that. I've been on record with that for a while now, but I liked how Alabama went about it early in the game against Ole Miss. Didn't just dial up a designed quarterback run for Jalen Milrow. They did it behind the left side, in other words, saying – if you think you're just going to blitz our true freshman or you know beat him off the edge and pass rush, we'll line up and we'll run with our quarterback right at you off the left side. Try to keep these defenses honest. And certainly, if you can run the football more consistently, that's going to help. And I think that may have been something that this Alabama staff was counting on, that we think from the opening snap to the final whistle, we're going to be able to run the football pretty much when, when and how we want to. And so that will, that will conceal some of the inadequacies maybe that he still has as a pass protector. And when that didn't really happen, um, it left him exposed uh, to some situations that, quite frankly, Caden Proctor not quite ready for at this point in his development. Josh Batchelor here, as promised, joining us via the comments uh, on Thursday Night Tide. Where would you rank this pass rush duo in comparison to other Saban-era teams? Clint, obviously Josh talking about Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner. Um, Boy, the last couple weeks, they'd be up there with some of the very best we've seen do it. I, I mean, for me, Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams. Uh, those were oh, are we dudes. including?
3: It, does it have to be just exterior guys, or can it be like? Can you include Jonathan yeah. Allen? In yeah, yeah.
2: I, I would say you could. I I would think his point is more about edge, but absolutely, if you wanna, if you wanna put guys like uh, uh, John and 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 maybe Duron and Quinnen and some of those guys and in, in that stretch there, absolutely.
3: Yeah, it, it's and, You know, uh, Jonathan Allen had that inside out ability. Plays a lot inside predominantly inside in the nfl but he was able to play some some of that heavy end in alabama's defense uh and was very successful but i I agree I, i think more than likely the question was more so geared towards outside linebacker duos it's unfortunate because i think that a guy like will anderson could have really benefited from how alabama's attacking things this year with his pass rush so having dallas turner last year who you know, has the ability to drop in coverage. Uh, I, I think that a lot of fans get frustrated with that fact, you know, in some crucial situations, you'll see him drop That's by design. Uh, you know, it's just, just part of, you know, being a 3-4 based defense, even though they don't run a whole lot of 3-4, it's, it's the principles behind it. Um, and, and Turner's extremely effective at it. Now, you don't want him doing it a ton, but to provide some variety and, and, and the way that the uh, the defense has to adjust to the offense and what they're doing, he's going to be required to drop some, but when you look at how they've performed over the last two weeks, and what I think has been critical to the success of those two is the fact that they're getting at least some help from the interior guys. Uh, you know, I will say if you've only got an interior pass rusher, you know, i.e., you know, Quinta Williams in the national championship game back in 2018, you had some injuries at outside linebacker, guys weren't fully healthy. You can kind of get your quarterback on the move, get him outside the pocket, and you can kind of negate or even in some cases eliminate uh the impact of an interior guy if that's all you've got. But when you've got those exterior guys, if you can get any sort of push, you know, uh push the pocket from the interior guys, it's a great compliment. And I think that with Tim Smith, he I think he had one and a half sacks last week. Certainly a guy who's starting to show some flashes. I wouldn't say he's a dominant pass rusher by any means, but he's coming along. And then with Tim Keenan, who to me uh, he, he's not, he does not have the same efficiency as like a Jamil Burrows. I thought Burrows he would flash incredible, uh, you know, interior pass rush on, on a limited snaps that he got last year. But with Tim Keenan, I do think he's doing enough on this in those situations where he's a great compliment to those exterior guys.
2: Yeah. Tim Keenan, three quarterback hurries last week to go along with those one and a half sacks. Absolutely. You start getting it from the inside guys. And then you see offenses like Ole Miss in the second half trying to single block Turner and Braswell with its offensive tackles. And they're down 714 points and they're in comeback mode. That's a tough place for an opposing quarterback to live. We talk about some previous duos. I'll give you a couple that injuries in Atlanta robbed Alabama of for much of the 2017 season, the season opener against Florida State. Injuries to Terrell Lewis, injury to K- Christian Miller. Uh, that cost both those guys most of that season. And then in 2021, you know, no one talks about Chris Allen and what he might have been opposite Will Anderson in 2021 because he was hurt, I believe, on a sack against Miami. He had that foot and in- ankle injury. Uh, that was very unfortunate as well. Uh, certainly, when you talk about Will and, and Dallas, as it still turned out to be. Uh, In 2021, it was very, very good. But people forget about where Chris Allen was at going into that season and what he might have been able to bring to the table. I think uh, John wants to answer his question here about the left tackle situation. He chimes in after hearing us, Clint, that he thinks you stick with Proctor. Don't hate the idea of letting Pritchett getting a series here or there. I think Proctor gets a little fatigued with his build right now. I think that's a good point, too. You know, yeah, I, the, that the, the play rate and, and how you can sustain, um, I think back to guys like DJ Fluker had to take a red shirt year as a freshman. I think it was back in 2009 because it is, it's real stamina and being able to sustain over the course of four quarters at this level, especially when you're coming from Iowa high school football. And even if you did have a spring practice like Caden had, it, it's still a major step up, right?
3: Yeah, I remember hearing a story about DJ Fluker um, back when he was a freshman. He, had, I, he arrived, they had the 110s test for the freshman uh, coming in, and he was he had a shoulder injury, if I'm not mistaken, and he wasn't expecting to have to run. And I, I had someone tell me that he was rather shocked when Cochran said, hey, Fluker, you're running. Um, <laughs> it, 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 he was not in shape. Uh, it was a struggle for sure. But then he ended up having that redshirt season, was able to get in shape, you know, had some some first year struggles as a starter, Uh, even though he was a redshirt player, he was going into year two. We got to remember Caden Proctor's in year one. He was playing high school football last year. Uh, So, you know, he didn't have that year in in the system. JC Latham was a guy who got a year in the system before he was thrown into the mix. Uh, And so, you know, Caden Proctor probably would have benefited from that. But, you know, this coaching staff likes the idea of kind of letting him work through some things. But I will say, Travis, I'm interested because based off of the response from Nick Saban when he was asked about left tackle, he was talking about injuries, kind of forcing some guys to play some different positions. That kind of had me wondering, you know, a lot of people, myself included, initially had thought maybe, you know, Caden Proctor being more protected, playing more in a phone booth there at guard. You wouldn't have to deal with the SEC speed or, you know, Elijah Pritchett was another guy who I thought he has the ability to, to kind of dig some people out and good run blocker coming out of high school so I thought maybe he could end up playing inside at guard do you think that's a possibility
2: well it's really what we've seen in previous years right whether Alex Leatherwood uh Jedrick Wills actually played some guard very early on in his career um so it's been kind of that natural progression if we're talking about tackles going into guard and then coming back out the tackle Evan Neal certainly was one of those guys so um I think a lot of that's still to be determined, and it also has to do with how are other guys developing, right? I mean, Ola Selene and some of these younger guys will Formby as a tackle option. Um, Miles McVay as a, as a tackle option. I think Rock Montgomery has a solid future as a swing guy between center and tackle, so I think the future's still extremely bright uh, for those guys, uh, for that five-man class uh, that Alabama signed, but it's just a lot being put on Caden Proctor here in year one. You know what Tex Tider thinks about Saturday night? He says, throw in a couple of knots for good measure. Yeah, you know, this was a team for a stretch of years. You could almost set your watch by those non-offensive touchdowns. Nearly had one last week uh, with the block punt. It goes out uh, at the one-yard line of Ole Miss. And, of course, we know what happened after that <laughs> a 40-yard field goal. But, Will Riker, just like you draw it up, right? You hit first and go with the one. You're just trying to get the ball in the middle of the field back around the 22, because you got an all American kicker. You're just trying to get him sized up. That's all that was, but, um, knots, they always help. And they certainly help on the road and I'm old enough. This is how old I am. My first trip to Starkville was in 1992 night game, big crowd, crazy, good, good Mississippi state team. I believe that's Jackie Sherrill at that point. Um, and Antonio Langham blocks a punt that goes for a touchdown. I remember that. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's this week. Maybe it's this week. I'll tell you this much, right, Clint? Something better than field goals in the first half would be a nice thing. You know, Alabama, the last three games in the first half, five field goals. Maybe a touchdown in the hey, first hey, half, this week, in the first half. What do you think?
3: That's another great point, Travis. And I'm I, the thing with this Alabama offense when you get in the red area, you've got to help Jalen Milrow. You've got to have some success. We talk about, you know, have early down success to where you're in favorable down and distances to kind of put him in a position where he doesn't have to be a, a straight drop back passer. The last thing you want to do is snap the football over his head. And now you've, you're, you're looking at a situation where it's first and goal from what, the 15, 20-yard line, whatever it was. Uh, that's certainly not what you want. And what happens, I mean, what you, you – I think with Tommy Reese, he's still trying to figure out exactly, you know, getting to a a flow of how to utilize Jalen Milrow, and sometimes when you don't have that early down success, he kind of gets in that habit of, okay, it's second and ten, it's second and nine. With a lot of quarterbacks, it's like, hey, we're probably going to have to drop back and throw the football a couple of times to try to get a first down here. With Jalen Milrow, that's not what you want him doing, so you kind of got to stick to the game plan, make sure you're utilizing his legs, but you've got to have that early down success, and I think with some of the struggles uh you know once you condense the field and you're sticking 11 defenders in you know a much smaller area the guys don't have to cover as much ground you can it's a lot easier to spy the quarterback do a lot of those different things so it is even more critical in the red area to have that early down success to where the defense can't really key on any one thing and I think that that will certainly help him um, but yet it's it's been it's been an interesting first four games, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> just a little bit with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball. Josh checking back in. That Foley turnout early Saban years was insane. Yeah, and, you know, Robert Lester was kind of thought to be, at the time, a little bit of a throw-in there. And he went on, what, two or three time I want to say, all SEC safety. Uh, just a really, really good player for the Alabama defense over a handful of years, Robert Lester. Back in the day, of course, Julio's Julio. And uh, DJ, I would still say that 2012 Alabama offensive line, you probably got to put it on the pedestal of Nick Saban fives that he's had. Now, look, 2020 wasn't bad. As we know, that offense in general was somewhat generational uh, when you look back on it between what it could do, both running it and throwing it. Uh, But DJ, obviously, big part of that as well it's about that time as promised how about some jimmy stein as we move forward
4: here on the program there he is hey guys jimmy
2: uh are you locked into that jsu sam houston game can we get an update
4: that is literally what i have been sadly almost watching (laughs) 21 7 sam houston over jacksonville state as we talk and uh, I'm a little disappointed. I've I've been rooting for Rich Rod and the, uh, the in-state guys uh, feel like I know about half that lineup from following in-state recruiting and uh, not going, not going well for the Gamecocks tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Houston, traditionally a pretty good
2: program. Sure. I think uh, the FCS level and then, uh, you know, I can't keep up either guys with all these programs that are making the jump or have made the jump like JSU to division one. Good for them, but, Jimmy and I were old enough to remember when a lot of these teams were in the old division two Gulf South conference for crying out right. loud, you know, Troy, UNA. I remember Troy state, you know, UNA, absolutely. So, uh, West Alabama still holding it down, I guess, uh, <laughs> over in Livingston. Hey, Jimmy, we were talking earlier. I mm. uh, wanted to get both you guys thoughts on this. What constitutes a successful start for Jalen Milrow
4: on the road Saturday night in Starkville? We'll start with you, Jimmy. I'm going to say, I know this just sounds so simplistic, but a win. Uh, You know, the last 10 road games just haven't been pretty for Alabama, Uh, regardless of opponent. Now, they did play pretty well in Starkville the last time around with Bryce Young, a quarterback. But I think a win of any shape, semblance, or size uh, is acceptable considering all that's kind of gone on, considering all that's gone on with Jalen Milrow, uh, considering his lack of experience. Again, by far the least experienced quarterback in the league. I did something on the board uh, last week about career pass attempts uh, for all the SEC starting quarterbacks. Jalen Milrow had almost a tenth of the career passing attempts as the top three or four guys on the list. He was the least experienced guy in the league, Almost by far, the only guy close to him was Carson Beck, who is in year, year four of his career at Georgia and not year three like Milrow is. I, I think considering how young Milrow is experience-wise and Alabama not playing well on the road except for maybe one time out of the last 10, I think a win of any kind should be considered a success, frankly. Yeah, we're even getting to the point now,
2: guys. And, Clint, I want your thoughts on that where we're seeing backups jump in like Max Johnson at Texas A&M, that when Alabama goes to A&M in a week, Max Johnson as the backup at A&M is going to have more starting experience still a lot more. than Jalen Milrow. So that's what you're starting to see even in, in some of those situations, I guess, Clint.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And with you know it being a road game, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw him kind of get baited into another one of those decisions where it, you know it's 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 an ugly interception or something similar. You know, taking some unnecessary sacks. This guy's still growing, you know. So, and these things are going to happen. It's going to be a hostile environment. He handled the the Arkansas crowd extremely well, and, and I I don't I don't think we talk about enough the fact that things started to fall apart in Fayetteville for Alabama. They had a commanding lead early. They had taken control of the game things started to fall apart and it was Jalen Milrow who kind of rose to the occasion. It was with his legs mostly, but he was able to kind of weather the storm put Alabama back into a position where it was able to, you know, it up winning pretty handedly by the end of it. But I would like to see him avoid the turnovers if possible. You know, I think it would be a wildly successful game. You know, obviously Jimmy, it, it starts with the win. So Jimmy's absolutely right. Get a win. Doesn't matter if you have one of those, one or two of those ugly mistakes. Uh, certainly don't want you know a Texas game where you have one or two of them and it, and it helps aid you know a loss or something like that. But if he can avoid the turnovers or, or avoid the unnecessary sacks, just continue to take steps in the right direction. In the second half last week, we finally saw not just him, this entire offense moving in the right direction. You hope that they can continue to build on that momentum. No more uh, ugly USF styles of games where you can't get anything going until late. No, you know, snapping the football over the quarterback's head, um, you know, on first and goal from the one yard line. That kind of stuff should be automatic. Take the stuff that you're given and capitalize on all of it and try to avoid those unnecessary turnovers. And if he can do that with what we think the rest of this roster is going to be, they can beat a lot of really good football teams in college football.
2: Yeah, we've heard Nick Saban say it so many times. Any possession that ends with a kick is a good possession. And there are some years where I think we could all argue that wasn't the case for Alabama, whether it was place-kicking woes, whether it was punting woes here in recent years even. This year, though, with Will Reichard and James Burnett, if you just take care of the football, you're either going to probably end up with three points or you're going to put the other offense inside its own 20 or in a position where it has to drive the length of the field against an ascending Alabama defense so it, it's 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 not just cliche this it, year and it's we true. don't talk
3: about that enough I mean that the combination of James Burnup and Alabama's defense that in just itself I, at some point that's going to win Alabama should, yeah it,
2: that should be nine wins shouldn't
3: it I, I'm telling you it, it is going to be the deciding factor in at least one football game this year mark my words
2: yeah I think for Jalen it's not that not that difficult to outline uh, I know it's easier said than done. Uh, it's not an easy gig that he has. Uh, run the operation as smoothly as possible. Don't throw the ball into trap coverage. That's it. That's pretty much it this week. If you do that, I think Alabama will be, high, be fine. And here we have uh, TJP checking in. Reichard or burnup win the Heisman? You know, just forget about the Ray guy. Forget about the Groza. Um, we've got two finalists that uh, TJP has for us for New York City. No, seriously, though, uh, y- 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 make good use of those guys. And Alabama has. I sort of joke about the first-half touchdown woes that Alabama has had over the last three games. But, um, again, this is a team that can win a lot of games like it won the Ole Miss game 24-10. to 10. Now, were you – Wonder about the rubber meet in the road a little bit is when you start talking about the real standard at Alabama, especially under Nick Saban. Championships, um, I think, big picture wise, there we've talked about this before, Jimmy. There still has to be some growth, um, oh, yeah. and probably more than a little bit if Alabama's going to get
4: there with Jalen. With Jalen, yeah, sure, but I, I would start with defense in terms of is this a championship level defense? Can can Alabama win a championship with this defense? You see signs. I mean, one of the things I've I've kind of started this week, uh, I'll probably drive everyone crazy with it since I just started it, and I'm, I'm going to keep going momentum-wise. But every time I, I type the name Dallas Turner on the message board, I follow it with uh, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. And, and that's because I can kind of see this coming. Deep I mean, uh, yeah, the, the way boy. that he's been playing. I mean, uh, I, and, and I think behind this defense, which has been fantastic – For 15 of the 16 quarters Alabama has played this year. Now, they were outright awful in that 16th quarter. I'm talking about the fourth quarter versus Texas. Got lit up. Yeah. The other 15 quarters, two points per quarter over the course of, of, of four games, just eight points a game. That's, as a matter of fact, eight points a game is what the 1992 defense gave up. And that's what Alabama's played like in 15 of the 16 quarters. I like what I'm seeing from the defense. Obviously, there has to be a bigger sample size for the offense to complement it and become a championship football team and not just a championship defense. To me, that means eliminating the errors. Like we talked about uh, earlier, Travis, you know, with Burnip, uh, with the kickers, you know, you can probably generate quite a bit of good things just from that group. The offense just has to steer clear of mistakes there is no sign that the offense is going to play a completely clean game anytime too soon, but you can sort of see baby steps in that direction. That's what I'd like to see Saturday in Starkville is a cleaner game. I think it's too much to ask considering the youth, considering not just the youth, but let's consider Tommy Reese new to Alabama, not just M- Milroe, It's a young offensive line when you look at career starts. I mean, Proctor and Booker between the two of them. What are they up to? About nine now. And that's uh, 40% of the offensive line. So I think if the offensive line can play cleaner games, if Milro can play cleaner games, this could be a championship football team. But boy, seven SEC games to go. Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But you got to love what we're seeing from the defense, guys. Let's so-
3: start. Let's start. By just having Alabama, the, the touchdowns that they score count and yeah. stop having 47 <laughs> touchdowns called back due to a penalty. If they could just get that fixed, I mean they're gonna be in much better position in a lot of these football games.
2: Yeah, you can survive these interceptions a lot better when you're not also losing touchdowns to go along Thousands with them. Percent. And you're really losing points when you throw red zone interceptions and then you lose touchdowns. Uh, you know, you start looking at six, seven points a game. Uh, That this team is leaving out there just in penalties and mistakes on offense in general. So, Clint, as we let you go here, I'm going to give both of you guys a true or false. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. True or false? And this goes with what we've heard from Nick Saban and his assessment that this is a tougher game for Alabama than Ole Miss a week ago. Is that true for you or do you see that as false?
3: Oh man. Um, on the surface, it looks very false to me. I'm not saying that Mississippi state can't provide some challenges. And the fact that it's in Starkville, I mean, that, that changes a lot too. I mean, every Jalen Milrow in the offense, they had the crowd at their backs, not as much pressure, those cowbells going that can add a wrinkle or an element that's tough to overcome. And I mean, you know, you even saw, I mean, I don't know if that home crowd with the USF was really a home crowd for USF, but I mean, when you're playing on the road and things start going wrong, it can, you know, kind of uh, snowball a little bit. And so what, what they have to be able to do early on is whether the crowd, whether the cowbells get some things going offensively, take the easy stuff uh, and kind of establish, you know, we, we talked all offseason about uh, tone setters, you know, setting the tone with your offensive line, bullying people, pushing people around. You didn't really see that at all. I mean, I guess at the beginning of some of these games, you saw the signs of it or, or the flashes of it, but the consistency to be able to do it, especially when things start going wrong. After the interception against Texas, they didn't have that same edge. You know, USF, a couple of things don't go their way. They start, you know, they lose that edge. You know, hammer the, hammer the football, have success, establish yourselves as the dominant, you know, physical uh, tone setter uh, of the football game and then play off of that. But I would say, as far as your question, I'm going to go false. I think this past weekend was a little bit more challenging as far as personnel is concerned. But I will give, you know, Mississippi State credit. They're running the football a lot better with Woody Marks. Uh, You know, obviously you got Will Rogers, a veteran quarterback, who, you know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, they weren't really throwing deep passes over the first couple of, uh, of games. They really started to turn it on a little bit over the last two, and that's helped them, you know, keep things close they've lost both those games but it it kind of put them in a shootout with south carolina last week and they came close to winning that game it can provide some challenges i'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk but i'm i'm going to say false
2: and with that clint we appreciate you man checking in and joining us here on thursday night tide clint always doing a great job for us there at BamaOnline.com. check out all of his great work with us right there at bol thanks clint we'll talk to you soon
3: I absolutely, Phil. It's good talking to you boys. There you go,
2: Clint Lamb. He's off, man. He's out of here. And now there were two. Me and Jimmy. Jimmy, the old, the old heads. man. We're supposed, the old man. You know, we're supposed to be <laughs> in bed. We're supposed to be in bed by now. We shouldn't be finishing this thing up, but I'll, I'll kind of move that towards you. And, and you know yeah. this. It's interesting um, because offensively, at least, Mississippi State and how it goes about its business – in most years I'd say that's not a good matchup for state to be more pro style and essentially say, we're going to run systems that are similar to what Alabama runs with three stars instead of four and fives. And as you know, that doesn't always play out so well. You look at Brian Harson and what Auburn was going to be up against with what he likes to do just in terms of schemes. Uh, I always thought that was going to be a tough fit, but um, is Nick challenging more so his offense this week? Because I think when you look at Ole Miss, I can't, even after the game, I struggle to name a front seven starter for Ole Miss under other than Suntarian Perkins because of the recruiting right. uh, aspect of things. Um, but when I look at Mississippi State, I know Crumity, I know Pickering, uh, I know Johnson, and I know Watson at the linebacker position. So right there that that makes some
4: sense to me that that Nick would feel that way. Yeah, Johnson and and, and Watson I mean Nathana Watson I think is their absolute best player on defense. He's actually an Alabama native from little tiny Maplesville in Alabama and Nathana Watson's had a great career at Mississippi State. He's, he's one of those guys that before the game regardless of opponent you just write down Watson's going to have 10 tackles and he does week in week out. Re- really good player. Uh yeah, I think it's a challenge for Alabama's offense in particular to uh, play through the noise, play through the cowbells, play against quality SEC athletes that that Mississippi State has every single year on defense. And even though I can't go into the game naming a lot of these these state guys, what I can promise you, Travis, because I uh, this is just – you can set your watch to this. Every year Alabama plays Mississippi State, and they have a de- defensive back that on the field I'll, I'll look at and I go, why doesn't he play for Alabama? Well, Marcus Banks <laughs> if- used to.
2: <laughs> oh, exactly. There, there you go.
4: There you go. They do uh, have
2: but, one that actually played for Alabama in the past, I guess, but I, so I whether, get your point. Emmanuel yeah. Forbes, Martin Emerson, every Forbes. year there's, you're right. Exactly. There's one, they have one. That's going to be in the
4: NFL got for a, 10 years too. Exactly. Total dude at defensive back, yeah. but what they're undergoing on offense. And since it's just the two of us old guys mm. talking now, I know you'll remember this well, but you know what they're undergoing on offense, what it reminds me of in 1989 Alabama had this uh, Homer Smith offense, starting quarterback gets mm-hmm. hurt. They bring in Gary Hollingsworth. Homer gets out his, uh, his, his, his pen and his napkin, and he sort of creates a new Gary Hollingsworth offense. And, and the next thing you know, Alabama's spreading it around. They've never done that before, mm-hmm. ever. I mean, when I mean ever, I mean at least not since the 60s. Uh, spread it around, throw into the tight ends, throw into the backs, And and the next thing you know, this uh, second or third string quarterback is SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Alabama's scoring 40 points every week. It's this exciting spread, almost an air raid type offense, certainly for Alabama. And then Bill Curry moves on and the new coach comes in as Gene Stallings. And Gene Stallings, because he had spent almost his entire coaching career in the NFL, Stallings shows up, he goes, you know what, we're going to run an NFL offense. We're going to run an NFL defense. We have an NFL system here. And then Gary Hollingsworth and those same offensive players were put from the Homer Smith college air raid stuff into an NFL system. And let's let's be honest, that offense stunk. Yeah, they could
2: score, especially really throughout yeah. that 90 season, but especially early. Lost what the first three. Brett Favre
4: right. let a
2: comeback with southern miss. Couldn't um, score against air. No, couldn't score against air. Struggled I mean, it let Georgia in a loss, Florida at home. Spurrier's so that kind of what Mississippi. Yeah.
4: Don't you see that's kind of what Mississippi State's doing, going from Mike Leach. Yeah, it's to an, what now it's an analogy. It's an analogy.
2: Yeah. it's an analogy I've thrown out there, but I just felt so outdated in doing so. But I enjoy <laughs> talking about it with you because exactly. I absolutely remember Saran Stacy and Kevin Turner and uh, Marco Battle, Lamont Russell, Lamont Russell at Lamon about one ninety-five mm-hmm. lining up at tight end, but catching mm-hmm. like seven hundred balls. Oh, you, you right. know those guys. When that offense went away, and yeah. then Beebs came in with that ground and pound. And you know what? It, it worked, it paid off. He wanted more physicality, he wanted to be tougher and um he, and play with defense first and foremost. And what a couple of years later, uh, Alabama's the national champions
4: after that sugar exactly. bowl win down in and I'm not saying that's what's gonna happen at state, but they're no. undergoing that similar transformation yes. that is ugly. In the early going, because and they threw corn- for four seventy eight last week, which made no sense. True, no, no, it's almost seems like. And I've watched the that come game from? Tape. Yeah, yeah. it almost seems like they're like, hey, you know what we've been doing? Let's scrap that. Let's do what we did <laughs> last year. And, but uh, it was yeah. pro concepts. I watched some of
2: that yeah. South Carolina game, and it wasn't like they really changed conceptually. They were running some of the play action game and some That's of those right. things you see Alabama run. Um, so it was still very pro. It wasn't like this reverting back to the air raid. They, they didn't do that, but I'll tell you what they did do. They got Tulu Lou Griffin inside against some star defensive backs and some safeties. And he just ate and ate. He had like five catches of 30 yards or more in that game last Saturday night, which takes us to the Alabama defense once again. And Malachi Moore has been lights out through four games, sure. and we expect to see that matchup perhaps with Griffin and Malachi. Uh, I've talked about this throughout the week. You probably have too. Uh, the luxury you have is on the outside right now. You probably feel like we can take Terry and Arnold, we can take Kool-Aid and, and we can say lock their outside guys up, and then we're going to help against Griffin or send numbers his way or attention or something if we have to. Um, that's, that's obviously going to be the matchup, although um, with Deontay Lawson perhaps out for this game – uh, it feels like it might be a wash though, because you're hearing Woody Marks maybe isn't a hundred percent at the running back position for state. Um, just a lot of things to consider in that matchup between the state offense and the Alabama
4: defense. Well, the Alabama defense, I think what, you know, Malachi Moore, you mentioned unbelievable season, you know, and Deontay Lawson had had an unbelievable season now, probably out for a couple games at the very least with a, with an ankle sprain, but Malachi has been so good and what's so impressive about him Travis is obviously at the star position where he was a third team all American as a freshman and he's making most of his plays now but when Alabama goes to dime which you'd have to do a ton against Mike Leach I don't know if we'll see dime at all this week our last year quite a lot of zone against Mike Leach yeah that's right and they defended it really well Alabama sort of had Mike Leach's number I mean in terms of Alabama defended that leech offense. Going back really to Joe really Kynes. Alabama yeah. did. Oh, 2005. Cotton Bowl. Yeah. 2005 cotton ball. I think they gave up uh, seven, maybe the whole game. But uh, man, uh, Malachi Moore switching from star in nickel to money in dime. And still maintaining that level of productivity has been so impressive. But, again, I think we'll just see Malachi at star this weekend. I don't see Alabama playing a lot of dime. Alabama played two snaps in dime versus Ole Miss. I don't know that we'll see dime this weekend. Uh, I think it's just Alabama staying in nickel, keeping Malachi at star, where he can work on that slot receiver, work on the tight ends. And, of course, the star can get heavily involved in run defense as well. Kind of sitting in the same spot the Sam linebacker would be in in regular. Uh, Malachi has been a true superstar. This Alabama defense, I think this particular game, Travis has Malachi's name written all over it. Also, Dallas Turner, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. I think I think uh, Dallas Turner will also have a big game. Will Anderson had huge games against Mississippi State. Uh, as Alabama's best pass rusher. I see Dallas continuing that, and Alabama's defense continuing to march on behind Malachi, behind Dallas. I see them as both strong first-team All-American candidates based on what we've seen so far, and uh, I think it continues in Starkville. Yeah, you know, when you say not a lot
2: of dime, you know, guys like Trey Amos don't like to hear that. Hugh Robinson doesn't like to hear that because those are guys, those are their snaps in that dime package that, uh, go by the board, but Alabama was, they were so good in nickel. And, um, you know, look, I think Ole Miss with Quinchon Judkins and also with what uh, Jackson Dart can do with his legs, uh, you kind of got to stay in nickel and, and Lane likes to keep a tight end on the field. I mean, Caden Prescorn last week, his first action of the season, even with Michael Trigg apparently moving on uh, from Ole Miss, you, you had to kind of stay in nickel for much of the game. And I'm with you, probably more of the same this week. Uh, against state and you know you think about that inside linebacker position if Lawson can't go, uh, one of the silver linings I guess of that platoon that we've seen uh, with Jihad Campbell and with Trez Marshall and with even Kendrick Blackshire, um, when Alabama opens on defense Saturday night, who do you think if Deontay doesn't go, do you think it's Marshall and Campbell out there first or yeah. could it be Blackshire? And Campbell, because for me, that's what it comes down to. I think Campbell's going to be out there. And then it's going to come down to, to Marshall and Blackshire, perhaps one or the other or both seeing a good bit of action in that game.
4: Yeah, I think right off the bat, Travis, I think it'll be Marshall and Campbell right off the bat. Because one thing about Marshall is he's a green dot guy. And that's what you really look. Deontay had been a spectacular player, but he's also the green dot, you know, for for everybody that listens to the show. That's also an NFL fan. You know what I'm talking about? The Mike linebacker, that's the quarterback of the front seven that's on the 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 helmet that's got the microphone in it so he can uh, hear directly from the defensive coordinator. That's Deontay. He's out. I I see Trez Marshall as the new green dot guy. And Jahad Campbell, you can't take him off the field. He's playing more snaps than anybody other than Deontay now inside. I think Jahad Campbell, Travis, not just good, but great. He's on his way to great. Help this me. is going to be a great, great player. Not just, oh, he's a starter as a sophomore. No, no. This is Alabama's one of their next great players and uh, he'll get better each week as he stays healthy, as you said. So I see this Trez and Campbell. However, when you, if the other team has some success running the ball inside, you can easily see replacing the 217 pound Marshall for the 238 pound Blackshire, you know, roughly uh, if the other team's having some success in that area, I think Marshall might still be a little more rangy than Blackshire. And again, you know, you lose loss and you need another green dot guy. So I, I see Marshall and Campbell, but I also see them playing extremely well. I, I've, I've thrown some flowers at uh, Robert Bala. I think he's probably getting an assist from Kevin Steele, who's sort of a roving position coach for Alabama, the defensive coordinator without a position. But Kevin Steele, has expertise as an inside linebacker. I think Steele and Bala together have this whole inside linebacker group playing great to the point that you can lose Lawson, maybe your best player. But th- I I bet you don't see a drop off at that position in terms of the productivity this weekend. I I think they'll be great again and, and, and Campbell, again, future superstar. Yeah, I think the biggest current concern
2: you would have would be almost similar to the green dot on offense, the quarterback, in that you don't want these guys to go rat trap without Deontay out there because of making calls and checks and, you know, still having to play and carry out their responsibilities uh, after all of that. I, I think that's the why you go to the transfer portal at both positions. Alabama went to the transfer portal at quarterback for an experienced guy and Tyler Buckner. It hasn't worked out as of yet, but I think the decision to bring in Tress Marshall has obviously been beneficial. Maybe the numbers aren't the kind that, blow your hair back necessarily but there is a level of dependability that going into this situation on the road as you said if you open the game with Marshall in that role you know he's going to handle that similar to Henry Toa before him uh and give Henry a lot of credit I mean I saw him you know for the Houston Texans last Sunday doing a number on my jag so I didn't really (laughs) appreciate that but no I I think that um it is doable I, I wanted to ask you this though you know, we talk so much about the the good things with this Alabama defense right now, and, and they're easy to spot. Uh, is there one area though that you look at still and say, "Yeah, maybe a little bit vulnerable"? Um, maybe one of the safety spots. Maybe still interior DL or the defensive line in general. Although we saw some some encouraging signs hmm. from that group against Ole Miss.
4: Yeah, it's going to be real specific, which goes to show how excited I am about this Alabama defense because nothing in general I say, I'm not sure against the run or I'm not sure against a team that's going to throw it 40 times. It's not that. But there is something specific that's going to make me nervous until I see Alabama do this well, Travis, and that game is coming up. We just talked about no dime against Ole Miss, probably not much dime against Mississippi State, probably not a whole lot of dime against Texas A&M. But Tennessee, they spread the field. They play fast. Now they run it, they're running it more this year than they ran it last year. But Tennessee, tempo wise, still the fastest offense in all of college football in terms of tempo and they go, go, go. I think you're going to see a ton of dime against Tennessee again, just like we saw last year. And all those points Alabama gave up, a couple of things about that dime group. You know, you got Amos outside now, not, you know, Tarion moves inside, Amos is outside. You know, Heupel's going to attack that. Secondly, and the real concern for me, Travis, is Alabama's pass defense from those inside positions. Okay, I think I'd feel pretty good about Tarion maybe at star, but the freshman downs, the sixth-year-old man. Jalen Key, almost as old as me and you, buddy. Jalen Key at safety. Downs, complete opposite. The 18-year-old at the other safety. Malachi Moore at money. Tennessee might be really good at getting those dudes matched up with slot receivers that give us trouble. So I know that's real specific, but I saw what happened last year. And until I see Alabama pass that test, you know, I'm not going to really compare this defense to 92 or in 2011 and 2016 just yet because that, that, that worries me.
2: Yeah, I think if you're an Alabama fan, your counter is, well, no Jalen Hyatt, who's going to be running free six yards behind the secondary. Um, and I'll, th- I'll say this, I don't think Tennessee's offensive line is right. what it was a year ago. And I agree. For as much as we should talk about Tennessee and explosive plays in the passing game, because Alabama has fallen victim to that, not just last year, but also in the game in Tuscaloosa two years ago, it gets kind of hidden by last year's performance, because it was even more uh, explosive for Tennessee in that one. Tennessee wants to run the ball. You know, yeah, they've is. got backs too. Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, they've got depth at the running back position. I don't think they're quite the same right now up front. And, you know, Joe Milton's under fire too. I, and, and that's the easy sort of kind of like Jalen with Alabama. It's yeah. easy to look at the quarterback and say he's not performing, especially when you're following a guy like Hendon Hooker. Or you're following a guy like Bryce Young, um, and, and and that's true to an extent, uh, but the other areas that you were able to sort of hide some things because of your quarterback being so proficient, you're not able to do that now, and things become a lot more revealed than they were. So uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Tennessee. It's never too early though, right? I mean, you know, we can talk about. Is Nico Leva going to be the quarterback in Tuscaloosa? You know all those things. We we still got a few weeks, but you talk about you know you know
4: you, you know you feel good about the defense. When the question is, what worries you about this defense? And I'd jump three games ahead, four games ahead. <laughs> Josh is checking back in here, and he love has it. a
2: question for us. If you had to predict, what player is next to have a breakout
4: week like Jalen Hale,
2: breakout guy this, this
4: week? I love this question. I'm glad we got to it, uh, Josh. Great question. You know, uh, one of the things that stands out to me, I talked about all summer, is maybe the number one trait on this Alabama team. In years past, it's been superstars. Alabama's got more superstars than anybody. Proven, great players. This year, I felt it was, ah, maybe a little shorter on proven superstars, but the depth of good. Maybe a shortness of great, but the depth of good. And now we look Up four games in the season Alabama with their first team offense plays three running backs seven receivers and three tight ends that's a lot so I think it's not easy for anyone to break out because they're spread so thin in terms of wanting to get the ball to all these guys but if I had to pick out one that maybe hasn't had a hundred yard type game yet and I think it's coming as Amari Niblack I think it might be matchup dependent maybe there might be some matchup more than others where you feel like hey we can really get the h free against this team or we can really get a bigger slot guy uh, a lot of work in this particular game whatever it happens to be but I would go Amari Nyblack in terms of like who hasn't had a huge game statistically and uh and his day is coming you know I'm gonna go with your guy
2: Jod Campbell on the defensive side of the ball Mm -hmm. I think He's obviously had some statistical production. It's not that that hasn't been the case, but I just think every week he gets further removed from that injury that he had to work back through. We're just going to see more and more of those physical attributes that he brings to the table. And it's a running back centric offense, or at least it wants to be. I think Woody Marks only had 12 carries last week, but he still caught three balls. So Marks is going to have, if he's healthy enough, he's going to have 15-plus touches, which means your inside linebackers are going to be busy. So I'll go Jihad Campbell this week, and not just because of uh, his work in the run game or even in coverage, but also what he can bring to the table as a blitzer. Uh, We've heard Nick Saban talk a lot this week about the expectation, and I'm going to hit you with this one on the way out, kind of jumping around. Nick Saban expects Mississippi State to come after Jalen Milrow. Do you think that would be the case? And if it is, and understanding it's kind of Zach Arnett's DNA, would you blitz Jalen Milrow? Or is the blueprint kind of out there? Rush three, play a spy technique. He's not going to get to the back a lot of times, or some of the times he's not going to get to the tight end. He's not going to get to his check down. Um, He's feeling some ghost pressure at times. He's looking to ditch. What do you think? What do you expect Saturday night? You think state comes after him or do you think they go against their tendencies a little bit?
4: No, I think a coach is kind of what he is. And Zach Arnett is uh, first of all, I have a ton of respect for him as a defensive coach. Yeah. I think he's probably a guy we don't talk about enough as being, you know, outstanding in that area. Uh, I, and he's seen Alabama a couple times now. Uh, I, I think he's going to pressure Milrow a lot. I, I I think the best way to attack Milro right now is force him to make decisions. Don't put, don't, don't leave yourself to be out-athleted because you are going to be out-athleted. And I'm talking about his arm and his legs, but force the young quarterback to make decisions on the fly. Uh, I, I think that's how you do it. And that's probably bringing the house a lot and then making it a lot of, of ad lib. But you know where Alabama could be really good, Travis, is if you do the, hey, we're going to rush three and drop everybody, I agree. that's a great way to defend Jalen's arm because that's tough. That's what teams did to Alabama a lot last year, and and our, the fans were complaining a lot, the wide receivers don't get open. Well, a lot of times they were trying to get open against eight guys who dropped. You know, it's kind of, kind of tough to find room. But if you drop eight this year or drop seven, you know where Alabama can beat you up to death? is just those running backs. That's yeah. fine. Okay. J- J- uh, Jace and Roy Dell will five and six yard you to death. If you do that, we'll just run RPOs and, and, and just run inside runs and it'll be boring and it'll take a long time. But if you're just bringing three and you're dropping everybody else, uh, the backs will just take five and six yards of snap. I'm not sure Alabama was equipped to do that a year ago and they are now. So I sort of like the well-roundedness of the offense and dealing with whatever they come up with. I think there can be an answer, but in the end it's about Jalen Milrow making the right decision and not ripping the kid again. I, I believe it's just a matter of, of inexperience for him, but this is now going to be, I think the fourth or fifth start of his whole career. But uh, after this next start and the one after it, you could say, Hey, you know, he's been a starting quarterback for half an sec season now. And, And he's going to start to understand things. And that's the way I think it's going. And no matter what Zach Arnett comes up with, I think Alabama and Tommy Reese is going to to have a pretty decent plan for it.
2: Yeah. You know, this isn't a big screen offense, at least that we've seen as of yet in terms of the backs, uh, which is one way you can can deal with pressure. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those games within the game to see if Arnett sticks to his guns, which – frankly doesn't really fit his personnel this year I mean when you're bringing that kind of pressure and you're leaving that back end uh in man coverage in a lot of situations not just in the vertical game either but we saw it from South Carolina with Xavier Leggett last week turning simple crossing routes into 70 plus yard touchdowns um that would that would obviously suit some of Alabama's inside receivers like an Isaiah Bond or a Kobe Prentice it could be that Yards after catch or big in those situations this weekend as well. Well, Jimmy, it's been a lot of fun, my man. Always yep. appreciate you taking the time here on Thursday Night tied along with Clint Lamb and uh, have a great weekend. Uh, we should have plenty to talk about, I think, next week. For Jimmy Stein, Travis Ryer, thanking you as well for checking in with us. Thanks to everyone who contributed to the program this evening. It's Thursday Night Tide. Adios to you as well, Texas Titer. We'll catch up with you there on the roundtable. The premium message board at BamaOnline.com. We got continuing coverage of Alabama, Mississippi State for you. And, of course, recruiting never sleeps, whether it's football or, as we've seen in the last week, Alabama men's basketball continuing to make some big waves on the recruiting trail under Nate Oates as well. For Jimmy Stein and Clint Lamb, Travis Schreier, thanks again.
0: That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit fanduel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they
1: cut down the nets